As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to episode 69 of the UK True Crime Weekly Podcast. I'm Adam, but you know that. Well, I certainly hope you do by now. It's been a while, hasn't it? Before we start, a huge thank you to all my supporters on Patreon, and especially this week's new supporters. That's Bridget Allison and Andrew Garland. Thank you so much. I now have over 100 Patreon supporters, and I can't thank you all enough for your support. I've been chatting recently with Paul, host of the True Crime Enthusiast blog and podcast, about holding some sort of event. He's in North Wales, I'm in the South East, so we were pondering a location in central England, maybe Birmingham, where we could invite some other podcasters, some crime authors, for some talks during the day and maybe a dinner in the evening. How does this sound to you? Would it be of any interest? If so, please let me know and we'll get it arranged. So on to today's case, which is from Peterborough. I've been to Peterborough a couple of times to watch the mighty Leeds United, and have always found it, well, a pretty soulless sort of place. Maybe that's just the very flat geography, or my state of mind after another woeful performance from Europe's premier football team. But Peterborough, if you don't know it, it's a cathedral city in Cambridgeshire, with a population around 180,000. It's about 70 miles north of London and on the River Neen, which flows into the North Sea, 30 miles to the northeast. Our story starts on the 20th of March 2012, so let's put the case in some context around what was happening in our lives at the time. I had just two months previously met my future wife, so this was a, a good time in my life, just in case she listens to this, but she hasn't listened to the previous 68, so <laughs> I'm not holding my breath. Top of the UK charts was Somebody I Used to Know by Gotya, Goit, featuring Kimbra. Look, I know I didn't pronounce that correctly, and actually, that's okay. You know, I get more correspondence from this podcast about not pronouncing things correctly. I don't know. Does it really matter? Nikki Minaji with Starships was at number two. <laughs> Just my little joke. I can pronounce her name really. In the US, number one was We Are Young by Fun, featuring Janelle Monet. Are you a fan? I quite like the song, but I'm always a bit puzzled by the lyrics, are you? Well, nothing new for me anyway. In the news this month, Putin won the Russian election amid allegations of electoral fraud. Surely not. Gosh, it just shows how the same issues keep recirculating in the mainstream news, doesn't it? The Hunger Games starring Jennifer Lawrence premiered. Bolton Wanderers footballer Fabrice Moamba collapsed after his heart stopped 
and he was rushed to hospital during a live football match against Spurs. And 28 people, including 22 children, were killed in a motorway bus crash near Sierre in Switzerland. Are you a fighting fan? I don't mean outside the pub on a Friday night when someone spills your absinthe, but professional fighting sport. When I was growing up, boxing in the UK was prominent with the likes of Nigel Benn, Chris Eubank and Frank Bruno. Really high profile and there were some great fights. But after living in Vegas, my love for boxing was replaced by MMA. I still enjoy boxing, but MMA is absolutely amazing. In case you don't follow the sport closely, this is mixed martial arts, which is a full contact combat sport that allows both striking and grappling, both standing and on the ground, using techniques from other combat sports and martial arts. If you haven't seen it, I strongly suggest you do. The fitness of these men and women has to be seen to be believed. They're incredible. On saying that, my wife still refuses to go, even though she forces me to sit through opera and ballet. Carmen at the Royal Opera House this month. Maybe I'll sneak my headphones in and listen to a true crime podcast. I've been listening to the UK podcast Murder Mile recently, which is excellent. So I'll maybe catch up on those episodes I've missed. On Saturday the 24th of March 2012, British MMA history was made by the first ever minute's applause to mark the death of a young fighter before an event in Birmingham's National Indoor Arena. 28-year-old fighter Roy Allison Jr. from Peterborough was found dead at the home he shared of his dad just after 6pm the Wednesday before. His birthday was just the day before his death, but police said the death wasn't suspicious. But why he died was a mystery. He was in exceptional physical condition, with strong mental health. He'd everything to live for. Between fights, he trained many children in martial arts around the Peterborough area at the Combat Jiu-Jitsu Budo Academy, which he ran with his father, also called Roy, who he lived with following his parents' divorce when he was 16. He was a former Kick-Jitsu British title holder, and a silver medalist in jiu-jitsu at the World Martial Arts Games in 2007. His mum Mary said, I will always remember Roy Jr. as a smiling little boy. You really couldn't ask for a better son. He was a right mummy's boy. He was really soft. If you watched a sad film with him, you could bet he would be in floods of tears at the end. He wasn't violent at all. Martial arts were a serious sport to him. I'll always remember the day he won his first judo trophy, aged eight. He was so proud I could see a big smile on his face waiting for his name to be called. He ran straight to me with the trophy. Mary was at home with her new husband when police knocked on her door and said that her son was dead. My whole body started shaking like it's never shaken before, she said. I went straight to see him in hospital. I was devastated, but I wanted to spend as long as I could with him. I kissed his face, I kissed his eyes, and said what I used to say to him every night before he went to bed as a little boy. Night-night, sweet dreams, son, I love you. He used to reply, I love you too, Mum, but this time he said nothing back. Mary treasures a tracksuit jacket, martial arts title belt, and trophies she has as lasting memories of him. And she said, I took the pillow from his bed, and I now sleep on it every night. It has his smell on it. I haven't washed it yet and I never will. I also have some of his ashes and a locket around my neck, so I'll always be close to him. 
The minute's applause went ahead for Ray Jr. Jay Furness, editor of the Your MMA website, said, It has been clear from the huge reaction within the UK MMA community that Roy was a respected and well-liked character. This is not just for his tenacity and dedication inside the cage, but for his likeable demeanour and welcoming personality outside of it. Everybody that has come into contact with him, however brief, has only had positive things to say. Police investigations revealed that Roy had died of an overdose of ecstasy. The night before his death, he'd been celebrating his birthday with two of his friends, Duncan Bell and Grant Maker. In Roy's room at his house, they drank spirits, they took cannabis and ecstasy. Duncan returned the following day, but after there was no answer when he knocked on the bedroom door, he went in to find Roy Jr. dead in bed, with his beloved Staffordshire Terrier, Jip, pining by his body. The post-mortem showed alcohol, cannabis, cocaine and a potentially fatal lever of ecstasy in his blood. Drugs have never been my thing. I'm at the age where I just missed out on ecstasy being mainstream. And also when travelling in Australia in the 1990s, I shared a backpack hostel with a close friend of Leia Betts. Do you recall that case? She was a schoolgirl from Latchenden in Essex. There was extensive media coverage that followed her death shortly after her 18th birthday. On the 11th of November, she took an ecstasy tablet and then drank approximately 7 litres of water in a 90-minute period. Four hours later, she collapsed into a coma from which she didn't recover. Hearing about her last moments from my friend in Australia and seeing the pictures of this fit and healthy young woman had a big effect on me and I've always avoided drugs. But hey, each to their own, what works for you, it's all good for me. The funeral was, as you can imagine, a very sad affair. Roy's mum Mary led the 200 mourners who attended his funeral at Peterborough Crematorium on April the 12th. Roy Sr. gave a moving speech saying he had taught Roy Jr. how to love when he was younger, but his son had taught him how to love when he grew up. There wasn't a dry eye to be seen. After the funeral, as life got back to some sort of normality for everyone involved, Roy Sr. was particularly affected and he struggled to cope. His son had been his life. Since his divorce, the two had become very close with Roy Senior not missing a single one of his son's fights, and some felt that his son had actually been his life. Following the funeral, Roy Allison Senior stayed in contact with his son's friends, especially Grant Bell, who was there the night before he died. Then just months later, on the 2nd of July of the same year, the following article appeared in a local newspaper, Peterborough Live. Police investigating the sudden death of a man this morning, Sunday, received information that led them to find a second body at Peterborough Crematorium. The police said, We were called today at about 4am with reports of concern for a man at a property in Peterborough. Officers went to the property and discovered the body of a man. Following information received, officers then attended the grounds of Peterborough Crematorium at just before 8.30am today, July 1st, where they discovered the body of a man. It was soon discovered that the body found at 4am was 36-year-old Grant Bell and he was found at the home of Roy Allison Sr. The body in the crematorium was soon confirmed as Roy Allison Sr. By Grant's body, there was an A4 placard declaring this. This drug dealer took my son, 
took our whole lives. I've just taken his. Grant Bell had been knocked unconscious and stabbed six times. The blow which killed him had pierced his heart. His skull had been battered before he was stabbed in the neck, chest and heart. After killing Grant, Roy Allison Sr. had phoned a member of the family at 4am on the Sunday. He then called just before 8.30am to say he was at the crematorium. When police found him, he had already committed suicide at Peterborough Crematorium, the place where he had buried his son's ashes and where he had already had his own name inscribed on the headstone that they would share. He had hung himself from a ladder. Police announced that they had received a letter which seemed to explain the two deaths. It was written by Roy Allison Sr., who talked about his plans to commit murder before taking his own life. Mark Edwards, the editor of the Peterborough Telegraph, said, The post was lying on my desk waiting for me. It was the first letter I opened. The first impression was that it was a reader's letter. And, of course, as soon as I read the first sentence, I realised it was a great deal more than that. In the letter, Roy Senior made it clear that he blamed Grant for supplying his son with the ecstasy that killed him. The letter sent to over 14 different news outlets and spanning 12 pages said, When I lost my son, my grief was such that I just wanted to die and join him. I was in shock and disbelief. A few weeks on, I realised that no matter what I wanted, I had to do for my son the right things and put our house in order. Duncan Bell, known recently as my son's best friend, is one of the biggest dealers of drugs in this area. Duncan caused his death. He explained that he deliberately kept in touch with Duncan after his son's death and he pretended to be an ignorant old man. He wrote, Duncan came to my house and stood in front of my son's photos, shed a small tear while saying, Don't tell me I caused my best mate's death. He said this without looking away from the photo as if talking to himself. I quickly went over to him and pacified him saying, No, it wasn't his fault. I said this to ease away any suspicion that this is what I had on my mind. It would frighten him away and I would lose the information that I needed. He wrote, When the funeral was over, Duncan became his true self and talked too much. He claimed that when drunk, Duncan had admitted guilt for his son's death because he had given him drugs, despite knowing he had high blood pressure. He said that Duncan was jealous of Roy Jr.'s long-term friendship with his other friend there the night his son died, Grant Maker. And he claimed that Duncan forced Grant to leave the house so his son could not be saved after taking the drugs. He added, The law is the law, but justice is another matter. We don't get justice. Duncan took our whole existence, and for that he will lose his life in my hand. Like he did to my son, I will do to him, and take it all away from him. I take my own justice. The man who caused it will not walk the earth anymore to enjoy life, to hurt anyone anymore. He will not have all the things he denied my son and the world. He will not hurt anyone in the future. He is pure scum. I believe it is right for me to rid this scum from the community. It seems the upcoming inquest have been the catalyst for his actions, as he feared that justice, as he saw it, would not be there for the son who meant so much to him. His letter told how he feared a coroner might not find Duncan accountable at the inquest, 
which was due to be held at the end of the month. He became increasingly disillusioned after a call from the coroner's court who had spoken to Duncan and another friend about the inquest and found them to be nice lads. Roy Allison Sr. made it clear that once he had righted the perceived wrong, he would then join his son, saying, Wherever he goes, I go. There is only one thing I live for, the son who gave me love, security and happiness. At the inquest, Roy Jr.'s friend, Grant Maker, gave devastating evidence suggesting that Grant was not responsible for his friend's death. He told the inquest that Roy Jr. had bought cocaine to the gathering at his house. Grant Bell had produced some ecstasy, but not an excessive amount. Roy Jr. had taken it, but he was fully aware of what he was taking, he said. All three had drunk strong lager and rum while taking the drugs, and they were having a great time. Nobody forced anyone to do anything, he said. They were all grown men, and had all taken equal amount of the drugs. It was not like a kiddie peer pressure thing, he said. It was a really nice evening, not a bad thing at all. And neither he nor Duncan had any concerns about Roy's condition before they left in the early hours. Roy had sent a text to Grant saying he was sorry he couldn't stay. Wish you didn't go, bro, it said, adding, not done yet. The coroner said that Roy Jr.'s death was a tragic misadventure. Though Grant Bell provided some ecstasy, no evidence was produced to suggest that he was a drug dealer and it is understood a police investigation found none. Recording a verdict of unlawful killing in respect of Grant Bell, the coroner told his mum, Diane, there's only one conclusion at the end of the day. We all know that it's a terrible tragedy. We know that Roy Senior had become consumed by grief. But the reality is, that he'd formed an intention and carried out a violent, brutal and vicious attack on your son. After finding Grant's body, police had traced Roy Allison Sr.'s phone signal close to the grounds of the crematorium. The court heard how he mentioned suicide so many times in the months after Roy Jr.'s death to family members that it had almost become a joke with them. He had bought a double plot so he could be buried with his son and had both their names inscribed on a headstone. The coroner said he was satisfied that Roy Allison Sr. had taken his own life. Duncan's mum Diane and Roy Jr.'s mum Mary hugged each other after the verdicts were announced. Duncan's brother James said, Roy's father was grieving the loss of his son and felt he had to blame someone, my brother. There is no excuse for what he did. He clearly held my brother responsible and had been planning for some time to murder him. I'm glad that the truth's out, said Duncan's mum. Duncan wasn't a drug dealer. He had in the past had a drug problem, but not any longer. Asked how she felt about Roy Allison Senior, she said, I forgive him. He's a man that has lost his son. His world had disappeared. He was psychotic. He was out of his mind. Duncan's family released a statement about their son, where they described their loss, saying he was a cheeky chappy, and added... Some people make such a difference in our lives and Duncan was one of those people. By simply being who he was, he made the world a better place. After the verdict, Roy Senior's ex-wife spoke to the Mirror newspaper, saying how the couple had split after he became violent. She revealed how he'd subjected her to drunken attacks, once fracturing her jaw with a vicious punch. 
On another occasion, he'd forced her head under water in a bath and wrapped a wire around her throat. But the couple's son was the opposite of his volatile dad. Another relative described Alison Senior as an evil man and an alcoholic shunned by his family. The relative said, Roy had it stuck in his mind that somebody had given his son drugs. He was determined to find out who gave him the drugs and kill them. The murder was no surprise at all to any of the family. The family of the man who died should know that Roy Allison Sr. was an evil man. He was ostracised by his family 30 years ago for being a violent drunk. Talking about the three deaths, Roy's mum, Mary, continued, I've been through every emotion since my son died. Anger, grief, even hatred. But I didn't hate his friends. I never blamed Duncan for Roy's death. And she revealed, Roy Jr. would be devastated by this. And wherever he is now, he would never forgive his dad for killing his friend. Roy Sr. always believed in an eye for an eye, and he ended up taking a life for a life. He wanted revenge. But Roy Jr. had a completely different outlook. He was more laid back and had a live and let live attitude. I feel terrible for Duncan's family and his mum Diane. If I'd thought for one moment he was at risk, I'd have told the police. If my son took the drugs found in his system knowingly, then that was his choice. How could Roy Sr. do this to another family, knowing what we have been through since losing our son? He knew the grief he was inflicting on them because he'd lived it. They were the actions of a very selfish man, and I think he took the coward's way out. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Such a sad story all round, isn't it? No doubt some will have some sympathy for Roy Allison Sr., And if we were in his position now, and it was a member of our family, how would we feel? But my sympathy in this story has to lie with his son, Roy Jr., and his friend, Grant. My view on drugs, for what it's worth, is they should all be legalised, as this would hopefully stop so many deaths caused by poor quality stuff, and all the violence surrounding the business. But I think that's probably an argument for another day, and actually probably another podcast. But maybe it's a discussion we will have on our Facebook group where we discuss all aspects of UK true crime. Please come and join us, it's good fun. If you'd like to support the show and access the 13 full-length bonus episodes and other exclusive content, please head to patreon.com slash UK true crime and for just a pound a month you can help this podcast continue to be produced weekly. So that's all from me for now. So until we speak again next week, it's cheerio and remember, stay classy. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.